How does one teacher and his fellow friend in education develop a PD model that completely changes the game for teacher learning? Today, I talked to Cohort 21 founder, Justin Medved. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. I met Justin in my first year with Cohort 21 when I was a bright, shiny new participant. I was just starting my second year as a classroom teacher and I was full of questions and the feeling like everyone else knew what they were doing except for me. Justin's coach-like leadership style made me instantly like him and allowed me to take risks in my teaching and go deeper in this practice. Justin is not only one of the co-founders of Cohort 21, but he's also created Project 2051 and the Strategic Change Accelerator with Garth Nichols. In our conversation today, we touch on his background, his secret to producing so many incredible learning experiences, how his teaching philosophy has shifted since starting Cohort 21, and what advice he has for people who are starting Cohort 21 this year for the first time. Justin's thoughtful leadership and intentionality never ceased to inspire me. He joined me on his summer vacation in Collingwood, Ontario. So if you catch the sweet sound of birds in the background, now you know why. Here is my conversation with Justin Medved. Justin Medved, thank you so much for joining me today. I am obviously a huge fan of yours and obviously a huge fan of the work that you have created with Cohort 21. Uh, why don't you start just by telling everyone who you are, like what your role is, and how you started Cohort 21. Okay, thanks Celeste. Um, yeah, I am Director of Learning, Innovation, and Technology at the York School. and. That role sees me play in the space of learning, um, innovation, and the tools, technology, and how those three interplay. So I'm fortunate to hold a very kind of creative and fun position. But um, that has not always been the case. I, I started as a uh, geography and phys ed teacher at the York School in 2001 and grew up through the ranks there, the York School being one of the first in Canada to deploy a one-to-one -one program, one-to-one -one laptop. And so in that early career kind of chapter, I was exposed to all that was available and possible with technology at that time, specifically related to learning with laptops. And then I very much found myself playing and being curious about what was, how that tool being available to every kid in the class and myself impacted learning. So I ended up going into a master's program with Michigan State that's specifically focused on that. It had this kind of unique program called the Masters of Educational Technology. And it was new on the scene and one of the only programs kind of really focused on that area. So I did it over three summers and I got this mm -hmm. master's out of it. And uh, that allowed me to kind of explore that space um, with a bit more direction. The internet blew up around 2006 with blogs and wikis and there's mm -hmm. so much kind of happening at that time and it's at that time that my wife and I decided to go abroad and I taught internationally in Thailand for two years and I specifically went over to the International School of Bangkok with um, a new role. So moving from classroom teacher to technology and learning coach and that was a very 
kind of progressive position. International schools had that position. Um, CIS Ontario schools did not. Mm. And so I was able to kind of go out and get a bunch of experience supporting an elementary school, actually. It was JK to 5 within a much larger K to 12 school. And that really honed my kind of understanding of working with teachers in, with that sole purpose, like coaching teachers, uh, but also what it took to shift a school because I was particular, I was specifically brought in to do something, which was to help soften a kind of internal shift that was happening, which was we are no longer going to ask or require teachers to go and send their kids to the computer lab for computers. <laughs> typing that, class. <laughs> yeah, typing class. Like it was, and so now carts of laptops were appearing in classrooms and teachers were expected to use them in support of larger curricular goals. So oh my God, you'd be so would, good at that. Like I could just see you being <laughs> like, we're going to hire Justin to like make all the teachers feel okay about this massive shift. <laughs> yeah, so I was, the, I was the smiley face behind a very a big kind of pedagogical and mindset shift, which had already happened at the middle and senior school. So that was kind of happening, but shaking down to the elementary and finding meaningful integration. Mm -hmm. Luckily, there was already kind of appetite for it and it was kind of writing was on the wall but so that was a really amazing work and also it exposed me at that time to internationally some really amazing conferences so there were this there was this conference in 2006 that I went to called learning 2.0 it was like first or second year it was like super progressive unconference really mm -hmm. kind of looking at the change and shift in education. This is the exact same time that like Web 2.0 stuff is coming on. So blogs, wikis, the initial version of Google Docs, which wasn't even, Google hadn't even acquired it yet. So it was still like this beta thing. There was so much in that way and this big conversation happening around 21st century learning. This is kind mm. of all of that stuff was hitting the, the meme level where like, you know, um, Will Richardson and, David Warlick and a whole bunch of these names were kind of like really at the forefront. And so I found myself at these conferences. I did like this Apple Distinguished Educator thing. I got in all these clubs and like, you know, there was lots of groundswell. Then I had my wife and I had to make the call. Are we going to come back to Canada? Are we going to be expats forever? Mm. We made the call. Let's come back. It was the right call. It was awesome. Family. Do you have children at this point? Like, do you yeah, have your daughter? I just had, yeah, I had my first daughter over there. Okay. In Thailand, yeah, and um, so yeah, we're coming back with a baby. Like, things are things have changed. Uh, <laughs> I'm a grown up now. <laughs> so I'm totally a grown up now, and then I'm so happy the York School had me back, and they brought me back. And this is um, I left under good terms, but I returned to work with my kind of mentor and. Um, the, at the time, kind of founding IT director of the York School, Diane Dowman, who was really the visionary behind why the York School chose to be one-to-one -one in the first place. Mm. And so she, being progressive, said, you know, if we want and have aspirations to deliver this kind of very progressive kind of mandate of learning and innovation, well, she was so kind of busy just with operations she could no longer be the kind of voice in the classroom or on the ground. And so the York School was one of the first, if not the first, to staff for a learning technology coach, like a tech and learning position, full-time, no timetable, no classes associated with that position. So it was like a leap of faith. And at the time, the head of the school, like, 
you know, uh, Ezio Crescenzi um, kind of listened and bought into it and staffed for it, which was, you know, this no one had it at that time. So now it's 2008, and over the last seven years since I returned, it's been this kind of, you know, progression. You know, the York School is, you know, the tools have changed, leadership's changed, structures have changed, she's retired, and I found myself now into kind of onto the executive team, sitting in a different role with kind of straddling operations, but also a very still a big foot in the kind of learning mm-hmm. conversation, right? Like I find myself still, because I have such a great team, more often in conversations with the principals and academics as opposed to the operations you know, keeping the lights on and the printers and the paper, all that kind of stuff. So it's it's great. So I I guess I'm I find myself really fortunate to come from a teaching and learning background because all I really care about is the teaching and learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, as it relates to like how are the tools available to the teachers and the students, enhancing teaching and learning, engaging learning, deepening learning. Everything else really doesn't matter. Okay, actually, let me step back. How do you meet Garth? So where does he show up in your story? And then how do you two create this thing? Yeah, okay, so now we're back. Reset. We're in, we're in summer of 2001, and I'm volunteering at Camp Ujigayas. Yeah. Garth and I are co-counselors for the same cabin group. <laughs> so it's Garth and I, and we find ourselves with a bunch of other buddies, and we're taking kids on canoe trip and we're stewarding a cabin group together you know in our 20s I guess we are like 23 24 no 26 27 I don't know like each volunteers are a bit older than normal summer camp volunteers um yeah and we just totally hit it off now we're not really ever talking about education at that time but you know definitely both recognizing we're teachers and passionate about that stuff mm-hmm. it, it was actually only after coming back from Thailand that we actually got together and I kind of shared and related some of my experiences and then he had just come back from Klingenstein. Yeah. So he had a transformative experience with Klingenstein that I think he'll often talk about as being like super formative Mm -hmm. and then I had all these other experiences related to these conferences and communities very similar you know in Asia that were communities, right? Klingenstein is a community first. That's kind of why it's so special because you're like this cohort environment where you're not just alone or going like this siloed Mm -hmm. PD and then expected to do stuff. Like you guys often talk about the pedagogy and the approach that was taken to have you exposed and your eyes open to all these other conversations, which you probably didn't get in teacher's college. It's or, like we weren't or, ready for it in teacher's college. Yeah. Like, it's almost like what I think is so important about that kind of a model of like, okay, get into the classroom and find out what you don't know. And the Cohort 21 offers this to people too. It's like go in, figure out what you want to find out, and then come back to the to the learning. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. So then we came back. We had started having conversations about how we were just dissatisfied with professional development in general, like what was being offered. Um, I think... I had also experienced some conferences coming back, like in my first year um, in Toronto, that were just like totally missed the mark. Mm. And they were they and they were talking all about these tools initially, 
So the opportunities, but like there you are sitting for two hours yeah. listening to Alan November rant, and like you haven't done anything. All yeah. you've heard is like one dude talk, and I think the, we, you know <laughs> we've all been there. Like yeah. yeah, and you're like this is not, and then no accountability, and and you know and no uh, next steps. Like what if I want to have another conversation? Like what's next? Like no answers to any of those questions. Mm-hmm. So we we saw that as being the biggest disconnect, which is just like, we're not practicing what we preach. If you really want to shift people, then you need something, you know, similar to Klingestein, but you need something, you know, in this kind of space. Because I think Garth at the time too was like, you know, he saw opportunity in these tools. He was at Greenwood, Greenwood at Laptop. So like, we're now aligned around tools. And so the initial conversation around Core 21 started there, which was like, there's not a lot of, uh, adoption in mindset or even I shouldn't say not a lot of adoption there's not a lot of acceleration around mindset and tool adoption because it's just not being properly facilitated mm-hmm. for in in mass like for, for for professional development schools are doing awesome things little pockets but there's like zero share so mm-hmm. everyone's kind of doing their own stuff and no one's really sharing that and there's not really a kind of aggregation of best practices available plus there's no real way to to practice you know or to come back and ask questions like did this but i don't get that or i wanted to ask more about this tool i I think Lickenstein is amazing because uh, my colleague andrew just went there and he said it's like a teacher retreat like it's like a way to just get away from your regular life but cohort 21 is like actual integration like both of them are amazing for different reasons but what i love about the model that you and garth created is that you get those like regular four sessions of inspiration but they're spread out over the year like you get that time to go back into your classroom and to figure out what's not working and come back together totally yeah and then and then there's like processing time and so that's where it kind of started started with this initial kind of let's get people together uh let's Let's ha- put and present some tools and lenses and questions that they can chew on, and let's hold some level of year-long accountability that has a huge celebration kind of piece at the end, because those were the elements that we really liked behind all the other things that we experienced. Let's bring all those under one roof. Is it safe to say that it surpassed your expectations? What Cohort Twenty One has grown into? Um. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it totally surprises me, and, and so, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And then now I'm just like super psyched to steward a community, you know, and mm-hmm. grow it, and, and like enable other people to do things that are creative and cool. Yeah. As just like a, you know, that that that's like the most, you know, interesting part of the the work now. Uh, and and I mean, I've always maintained that like. I when I seek out PD for myself, it's just around creating things. I learn things through creation and doing things and building things. And I'm really picky about what I go and attend. And mm-hmm. so, if I'm gonna do stuff, it's a stretch goal to like, okay, if I wanna, if I wanna do this thing, then I'm gonna have to learn how to build a blog network and how hosting works and you know all these things. So just like say yes and dive in and. It'll work out, which yeah. is kind of good, kind of how it's happened. 
And you've um, been, like, since Cohort 21 was founded, you've been insanely busy with Garth. You did Project 2051, and you just got back from the Accelerator in Victoria. You just keep creating these really powerful PD experiences for people in the independent school scene. Um, so Derek Doucette on Twitter, his question came in through Twitter. He wants to know how you do all the things. He said, how do you seem to make time for so much? I think it must be his superpower. So what is your secret to all of us <laughs> mere mortals? Like, how are you just producing so much? I think I, think I just say yes um, to certain things. Um, but there's, I guess there's, I'll, like, so I'll, I'll say yes without totally knowing it's going to get done. Mm. So, so that intentional finish line, like building a finish line in with accountability seems to be the only thing that ends up. So like if you're on the hook for it, you kind of have to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. I mean, I, I don't, um. And then it's just you're just slog, you're slugging away at it methodically and trying to stay organized enough that it it stays top of mind um, and you're able to achieve the the end result. So with the strategic change accelerator, that, that's no accident. Like that started five years ago. Yeah. Um, and we and we were kind of all we didn't know we were going to build to that. But we found ourselves in a really cool conversation around change in case schools, which with Anne-Marie Key and Case allowed us to kind of uh, end up facilitating that first project 2051. It actually, it actually was born out of us pitching her an idea that Case needed to have a module at their LI that was similar to Core 21, which is about how do you steward innovation in mm. case schools at the leadership level? Like what are the ingredients for that? Because we said, okay, well, we're doing all this work with teachers, but they need to be enabled by by leaders who are asking the right questions. And we are also seeing that not all the leaders can come equipped with those lenses. Yeah. So it's all good to have a school with a mandate of like progressive education and opportunity, and your brochure says, we're doing all these things. But if the leadership level doesn't fully understand what's even possible mm -hmm. and the lenses through which to look at it and evaluate it, just because the screens are up doesn't mean like learning is happening. Mm. So what are the right questions? And so we said, you know, that's a bit of a gap. And then she was like, yeah, I love that. But how do you do this? Cause she was seeing the biggest, even the bigger challenge. She's like, our schools are not sustainable businesses. Ooh. Yeah. Like <sighs> our, our tuitions are outpacing inflation. And that's a problem because the only reason, the only way schools are able to improve, it seems, is by raising tuition. Oh my gosh. So that that's, was a big burning platform to like jump into. That's a mic yeah. drop. Like that's a mic drop moment right there of we're totally. not sustainable. We need to relook at this. Yeah, because we really aren't. I mean, with, with the majority of independent schools with you know 80 to 87% of their budgets being staff, yeah. that doesn't leave a lot of room to play for like when your roof leaks mm -hmm. or something like big happens or to yeah. actually be innovative like you no know one's got time for innovation when you're just trying to repair all the holes like that's yeah that's huge yeah so that yeah so yeah to derek's question i think i just i'm also like not doing everything mm. so doing i'm just doing the stuff that i think have has the highest impact yeah and maybe maybe those things just seem big but i'm you know i'm also saying no to lots of things which allows me to focus on that and then try to have some kind of balance. But that, 
but it's like it's a you pull back the veneer. There's times when I'm like completely overwhelmed. Like if I'm if I'm gonna be like vulnerable here, it's like there's times where it's like okay, I gotta stop saying yes. To stuff. <laughs> and so that is that has definitely caught up. And like you know, like ratcheting up the to do list because there's also the the job, right? The job's busy enough. Yeah, you. Just, I, yeah, I think it's important to note for people who maybe <laughs> don't know the cohort twenty one world that's listening to this. This is like your side hustle. This is not yeah, your yeah. bread and butter. You're doing totally. this for fun. <laughs> I will say the best decision we ever made was to like bring you and Adam and others on board with a facilitator team. Like that has allowed us to shoulder the load mm-hmm. uh, beautifully. And also, I think we the iteration of the core 21 experience like we take on one face to face for those who don't know core 21 it's four face to face sessions which are full day programming interspersed with like high touch online asynchronous blogging and interactivity twitter stuff podcasting podcasting exactly <laughs> so i feel like we've been able to kind of like manage that improvement process you know in a kind of comfortable way like mm-hmm. Although it always seems like we like rip and replace certain things, but I think there's, I felt like it's been a nice iteration, like comfortable, and we've learned so much each time, and it just improves. And so we're we're building on like work that was, you know, laid seven years ago. So mm-hmm. in accumulation, there yeah, there's a ton of work there, but I feel like it's manageable, you know. Yeah. Now, it's- now. There's many people that are working to create hmm. those experiences. I think that's... Totally, totally. And it's very um, participant-driven, too. So it's not as if it's, you know, this top-heavy, um, didactic PD experience where all the pressure's on you and Garth to deliver these amazing keynote. Yeah, yes. like, it's really about people driving their own learning. So totally. it's you're the container, you're the coach. You said it. Like, that, I think, has been the biggest shift for me in terms of learning through this and the whole thing. You asked one question, which is, like, what what have I learned? Mm-hmm. Is that if I were to go back into the classroom right now, I would facilitate learning in, uh, rather than teach. Like, I think yeah. I would – that's my biggest thing. It's like I don't even know if I could do it anymore that way that I taught geography. Mm-hmm. You know, I would just come about things so differently now as opposed to, like, owning every minute. Like if I'm not in front of the kids with content every moment, then, and that's how I kind of measure things. Like yeah. it's like a, a relentless pursuit of coverage as mm-hmm. opposed to like, what is this experience going to yield? Not just in terms of like the outcomes of the content and the you know, specific like, con- you know, subject specific stuff, but rather like all the other intangibles, learning skills, much broader, you know, that are more important really. And then you have more time to say yes to more things. So it's just a win-win for all of us. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we're in our seventh season of cohort. And what is your vision for the next seven years? Not to you know take us out of the present moment, but what do you see on the horizon or what are your hopes and dreams? Yeah, I, I, I always in the back of my head saw, said like, I'll like, I'm going to 10 years is what I would do this for, like as a, like a goal, mm. I'm sure happen beyond that but that was a neat thing to just like what can happen if you like do it something for 10 years mm-hmm. like what what can you achieve and so out of that is born the cis ontario connects conference which is kind of like core 21 in a day 
mm-hmm. so to speak. So that's been a kind of neat thing. And to be honest, it's just been now about like the community impact, which is why I've enjoyed so much is watching many of the core participants move into middle leadership, even senior leadership. Yeah. And, and citing like, the cohort twenty one experience in their you know acceptance announcement, like that that's been a reason why they were sought out for that position, which I think is so cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's so cool, so so cool. Little things like that, like those are. So now it's like, and I never wanted to be the Garth and Justin show. Like it was, it might have been that at the beginning, but that's we're really actively trying to like move it out of that. Yeah you know, into a space where there's like, a, you know, now I like it to see it as like a middle leadership enabler, you know, mm-hmm. so we can just like, we get this awesome opportunity to like see 50 teachers in Ontario and go, okay, here are some, while everyone's a rock star, there's certain, you know, opportunities to take certain people who seem to want more, like those who aspire to coaching or facilitation and just give them those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's what's so amazing about it is that it feels like it's a bit of an incubator for some Mm -hmm. of the best and brightest in our Ontario independent school community. And it allows us to know each other too, which is really quite special. Like it allows people to say, oh yeah, you're from my tribe. You're my fellow teaching geek. Got it. I see you. Totally. (laughs) This year is a great example. Like Matina, who's now going to go into at, uh, at uh, Hillfield is going to now go into a middle leadership position. And so she is coming back as a coach because she mm-hmm. wants that kind of like practical action plan is going to be related to PD. And so she saw this as like being a great way to have a sounding, a safe sounding board for her ideas. Yeah. And that's really cool. It's so powerful. Um, and then and then others like Derek or Leslie um, going off and doing sec- different career stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Leslie with future design schools or and so th- those who don't know what we're talking about, these are names of our facilitators who help facilitate Cartoon One. Yeah, and they'll be in future episodes being interviewed. I'm very yeah. excited. So the last question I have for you before we do our ticket out the door is now that you've kind of gone through this cycle seven times and you see it from a very different vantage point, what advice do you have for people who are listening to this, who are doing cohort 21 for the first time? Um, I think that, that my advice would be that we've tried our best to take the initial conversation around teaching and learning with tools and pedagogy with respect to tools uh, and move away from that through to just design thinking and problem solving or challenge um, solving for the kids who are in front of you or the, the school challenges that you are immediately affect you. So that's really what Core 21 is about, which is like those who aspire to address something that is kind of nagging them, you know, mm. whether it be right in front of them, so an engagement question or that they don't feel they're hitting the mark with a particular unit or they have, they see a, a, a kind of trend. Like we're seeing so many projects like this now where they're like, I just don't think kids are able to handle failure enough, <sighs> you know, or, or they're way too concerned with the marks and not enough about their own learning. And so those are like amazing philosophical questions. And so for people who like make, who, who, um, are bothered by that, 
<laughs> like people who like care enough to be bothered by that. Mm. I think Core 21 provides a really great environment to, to figure out how you're going to address it. Yeah, I love it. Well said. Okay, are we ready for this ticket out the door before yes. we send you off into the world, leaving the uh, you know mm. metaphorical classroom behind? Okay, so we'll start. What is your favorite book to read to young people? Where the, sidewalk, where the sidewalk ends. Yes. Best gift you ever received as a teacher? A really nice belt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite place to cycle? Collingwood. If you weren't a teacher, you would be what? A DJ. <laughs> yeah, you would be. You'd be great at that. Favorite edu celebrity? Grant Lichman. Mm. First thing you do when you get home at the end of the day? Hug my kids. Yeah. Um, cohort 21, our tagline is, as you are well aware, rethinking learning for the 21st century. So what's the future of learning? Wellness. Yeah. This has been such a joy to be able to talk with you, Justin. And I can't wait to uh, have everyone get to know you as well as I know you, because you're a well, joy. Uh, thanks. And thanks for taking this on. This is going to be a really cool new project. Yeah, I'm guys Ontario podcast community. I know inspired by the work that we've been doing for the last seven years. Like it's really about how you guys have enabled this leadership to happen. So thank you. Okay. There you have it. I am often meeting with Justin and teams of anywhere from five to 50 people. So getting the chance to just chat one on one was such a rare treat and delight. I've included the links to some of the professional development experiences that Justin has helped to create, as well as a few other points we touch on in case you are interested. If you enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't enjoy the show and have a few minutes to share, please rate this show on iTunes. It's one small way that you can give us some feedback on the podcast and help us know how we can improve. Part of having a growth mindset means getting feedback that you can work on to improve. And part of getting feedback means that people take the time to give it. So please share your thoughts before you turn off your device. I want to thank Justin for taking the time to chat with us today and also for creating Cohort 21. You would not be listening to this podcast if either of those things didn't happen. So my gratitude knows no bounds. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Keep learning. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow. <laughs>